I'm Sherry Dunleavy, your inspirationista, host, and a grieving mom. Welcome to the Grief Anonymous podcast. Grief is a journey, and I'm 20 years into mine. No matter where you are in yours, I hope you'll join me as I provide you with information, tools, and experts to help guide you through the darkness of death into the light of living. Help is on the way. When it comes to grieving, there may be a difference between the way men grieve and the way women grieve. And that's what we're going to be talking about today in this edition of the Grief Anonymous podcast. My guest today is Bradley Vincent. He is a pastor. He is a motivational speaker. He is also a grief counselor. And he discovered this as he was counseling and pastoring people through their grief journey. So Bradley, thank you very much for joining me today on the podcast. So tell me, yeah, what what kind of differences are there that you've discovered between men and women? Well, what's so funny is that um, it just kind of came out, well, and I'm a man and I, I was saying that I grieve different than my wife, but what was funny when I first started doing grief coaching and speaking a lot of wives would approach me about their husband's grief. Mm-hmm. Why isn't my husband crying? Why isn't my husband doing this? Why is my husband doing that? And I started to kind of explore that deeper. And it's, we're just different in general. But then there's obvious things that are kind of just male and female when it comes to grief. And I dove into that deeper and kind of started ministering and helping men and women get through that process, right? Um, but what was so funny is that one of the things that's majorly different, I call men and women squares and circles, right? Okay. So as you think about a square in a circle, a square is kind of borders, barrier, blocking things out, right? And when you hear circle, it's kind of, okay, circle the wagons, communal, let's get together. And as you kind of explain things that way, men and women can kind of see what they fit in that mold. Um, whenever I do this presentation called Men Grieve Too, um, I do a straw poll. I always start off with a straw poll. And, it's, and to a person, it has always worked out this way. I would say, who would you more than likely help? What would you more than likely do? Right? And I ask these two questions. If you saw a man and a woman broke down on the side of the road separately, just man and a woman, cars broken down, who are you more likely to help? Everybody to a person says the woman, right? Then I ask the other question, okay, what would you likely do? If your car broke down, what's the first thing you do? Men and women, it's always, almost always splits directly. A man, I'm going to get out walk around and see if it's something I can fix, see what's going on. A woman, the first thing she's going to do is call somebody for help. (laughs) That's what I was thinking. Right. Mm -hmm. So, but then that's how society almost even expects us to do everything. So something happens to a woman, let's go help her. Something happens to a man, he'll figure it out. Mm. Right. So now we get into grief and that same thing happens, right? A woman starts grieving. Here comes the circle. Here comes the community. Here comes whatever. A man grieves. Oh, well, he's angry. He needs his space. He needs his man cave. And there we go, right? 
And so now we start having that in the household, you know, from unfortunately child loss and things like that, or parent loss, you know, and the man and a woman's grieving differently. And I tell women all the time, if, if what attracted you to him is him being the strong, silent type, he's going to grieve with this strength and silence. Mm-hmm. So you can't automatically say, oh, well, you need to start crying more and you don't show any emotion. Wait a minute. What made you love him was his confidence, his stillness, you know, his, his quiet resolve to kind of get through things. But now it's like, oh, I need you to flip a switch mm-hmm. and grieve like me, right? Or you're not grieving right. And so we start to have that conflict. And that's, that's kind of what the major thing is, even from that little straw poll, it's not even scientific. Mm-hmm. The expectation that a man can do this on his own and a man expecting, well, I can figure this out. It's just grief versus a woman seeking help and automatically getting help. That creates those barriers between the two. And so you start to venture and it just gets wider and wider from that spot. So your grief journey, um, my grief journey is because I lost my son. Uh, my husband and I lost our son. Uh, it'll be 21 years next month. Um, and I remember when we were going to our share support group, they were very cognizant of not only asking how the mother was doing, um, but they made it a point to include the dads. And you know what I mean? Like they say, dads are grieving too. Everyone right. runs to the mother. No one runs to the father. Right. Um, so it, I thought it was very important that men need, need support as well. That being said, because we are different, what does that support look like? What, what do you, what, what does a man want? You know, is it a hug? Is it, what, what, what is it? Well, here's what's crazy because in a general sense, again, women learn and bond through conversation and what I call knee to knee. You know, you're sitting with another lady. That's how you guys bond, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Men bond shoulder to shoulder. Give us something to do together, and that's how we bond, right? Um, And so the results can be different because men are defined by results. Okay, give me an instruction sheet on grief. Give me the eight steps to be good to go, and I'll do those, right? But we don't want to read directions to build a shelf, right? We think we can do everything on our own. But then it's like that, it's the independence versus the interdependence. Mm-hmm. And so when you start dealing with men, it's like, what was so funny, you sit in a room full of men because I'm, I'm a member of different grief groups and I speak to men as a group and it might be 30 of us in a room. And we're sitting there bonding with silence, right? Because we all know why we're there because we lost someone. But then it's a... We need the freedom to be able to share in a way that we share, right? And so with men, it would be more so, okay, um, what problems are you dealing with now because of your grief? So I can talk about the problems like, oh, I'm gaining weight. My doctor said I have, I have high cholesterol now and blah, blah, blah. I'm not talking about the grief. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about the stuff that grief causes, mm-hmm. right? but I'm still working on my grief in that because we don't want unsolicited grief advice. <laughs> we just don't want it. Right. We want to 
talk about this other stuff we can do shoulder to shoulder. And when that stuff is better, the grief gets better. Right. So right. We, we could talk about communicating better. We could talk about um, seeing to our wife's needs and we could talk about doing this and doing that. And that helps in our grief journey. Um, and we want that cave space. We want to be able to go to our cave and be alone and do things like that. But I, I tell men, yes, have that time, but you have to emote. You have to show, because we grieve, but we're just grieving in a man cave. We're crying in the shower. We're crying in the car, but then we get home and nobody knows we've been crying, right? And the big thing with men is trying to get them out of the cave, out of the car, out of the shower, and showing some of that emotion to their wives and even their children or whoever else because they can't grieve in a healthy way unless they see us grieving in a healthy way, right? Mm. And um, the thing about men, we have a lot of delayed grief, delayed grief emotion. Mm -hmm. and, I, and so I'm trying to drag men into the presence of their grief. It's like, okay, you can't fix enough cars. You can't build enough bookshelves. You know, you can't watch enough football games not to grieve. Grief is going to come and grief is going to have its time. It's going to find you. It's, it's going to find you in some way. It's going to, it's going to find you either with show up as an illness. It's right. it, but it's going to, it is, it will find you. Right. You, you are 100% right. You have to deal with it. You can't go around it. You can't go over it. You have to go through it. And no matter how many times I used to say, I think I'm putting my grief on the back burner because I, when I had a three-year-old at home and I wanted to make right. sure that his needs were fine. And I, I, much like you were saying, I would schedule my sad time because I didn't want my son to constantly, like his memories of his mother was always being sad. I did not want that to, right. to, to be. I would let him see me cry, but not all the time. Right. Um, right. But but I think that men have been conditioned too with the way they show emotion or not to show emotion to be that strength. So is there that conflict that's going on too, where they're using every tool in their toolbox to hold it together when they really want to fall apart? Like they don't have right. a safe space. Indeed. Because, um, what was so funny? Cause you know, when I speak to men and they, they kind of give me these little mini testimonies, especially when we're in a group like that, and we're talking about that uh, full spectrum of emotion, right? Mm -hmm. Because every feeling a man has usually emotes as anger. You hurt my feelings, I look angry. I'm sad, I'm grumpy, right? All these things look like anger, but I'm feeling all these things. We just emote anger, right? And this one gentleman uh, was telling me the story about he started crying. Um, in kind of a this communal space because they were talking about his father that passed away mm -hmm. and a lady that was a stranger to him didn't know him at all told him that his tears were embarrassing her and he should you know you should kind oh my of calm that down but that's that's almost um commonplace where men feel i can't emote especially out in public or in front of my family or, you know, at funerals, whatever else, because that's not the male expectation. Grief, I've learned, 
has has been portrayed as a very female thing. And anything that's not the typical male emotion is automatically seen as feminine, right? Mm-hmm. Um, my What I started to have to deal with because we're now uh, raising two of our grandsons and I have to show them the full spectrum of emotion, not just the, the gruff anger, you know, go pull girls hair, kick dirt kind of stuff, no, you, you're a full person. You can be sad. You can be depressed. You can be all these things. And, but what's funny, what's so different um, for men is that how we show our grief is so different than, than ladies. Like, like I said, the anger, the irritability, um, we self-medicate, unfortunately. We do self-medication a lot, get into risky behavior. You know, all of a sudden now I'm a skydiver or I go out running with the bulls or whatever, you know, mm-hmm. I do all this risky stuff. And then there's the death ideation. We, we think about death a lot more than women do after in our grief. You know, we have this kind of grief recall. It's like, okay, that was that bad thing that happened. And, you know, we just kind of go over and over because think again of roles perceived or not or put on us or not, we're the protector, the provider, the take care of it kind of person. Mm -hmm. And especially when there's a child death, right? I know all adults feel that kind of what could I have done different, even if it was an illness that you couldn't control, right? But for a man, there's like just this deeper, okay, I'm supposed to be the protector, not let anything happen to anybody and look at what happened, right? So they deal with that over and over that just constant grief recall. Mm-hmm. Um, men typically have the physical ailments more than women. And I tell all men, whether you think you're grieving or not, about six months after a death has occurred, a close death to you, go get your man checkup. Because typically there's something that has spurred up because we internalize so much, mm-hmm. it turns to illness. Right. More so than women. Because women are like, oh yeah, cry. We're going to have a crying circle and, you know, we're going to journal and we're going to do this stuff. And men are like internal, internal, internal. And that turns into illness. Right. And so it's, it's all these different things. We try to help men get out of that isolation, silent mode, because we have an obligation also as men, we have an obligation to show and pattern healthy grieving to our families, whether it's, uh, whether society accepts that or not, we have an obligation to show our family healthy grieving. Right. Right. So that being, yeah. So that being said, um, what tips do you have for men to deal with their grief? Obviously you coach and work with men, but you're in Texas. This is going worldwide. So if you were in front of, you are in front of a global audience right now, what are some things that men can do to help them get through their grief in a healthy way and in a way that is um, their obligation to model this for their families? Right. I'm going to give you a two-pronged approach. I'm going to give you a few things of people that love grieving men that they can do. Okay. But I'm going to give things for men to do. 
right? I love it. Thank you. And so, so if you're caring for, you love a man that's grieving, you cannot approach their grief directly. Like I said, men bond shoulder to shoulder by doing, get them talking about something else, get them in an atmosphere where they feel safe. So don't, don't like say, let's meet and talk about your grief. No, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, right. let's, let's go fishing. Right. Then it's, Hey man, how are things going with you? You know, what's going on with you? I see you're kind of, and see what I'm saying? So you don't approach mm-hmm. it directly, right? right? Be there, be present. Allow the man to express his grief in his way, as long as it's healthy, right? And so I tell them, if, if they're not self-medicating, if they've never gone skydiving before and now they want to go skydiving three days a week, you know, if they're not doing this risky behavior and stuff, mm-hmm. they're grieving their way, right? Let them grieve their way. If they're the strong, silent type, they're going to grieve within their personality, as long as they're being healthy, let them grieve their way. Give them something to do. Now, I said you can't, you know, you can't build enough bookshelves, you can't fix enough cars not to grieve, but give them something to do where they can work through their grief by doing, right? Mm-hmm. They're not avoiding it, but kind of give them something to do because men want results, <laughs> right? right? So they need something to do to get results. Give them information about the grief process but don't give them unsolicited advice. Like I'm not going to walk up to a man that I know is grieving and just start counseling him. Right. Mm -hmm. But I might say, Hey, you know, um, you know, um, I'm sorry for your loss. I heard your mom died. Sorry for your loss. You know? And I I was, there's this website that I found that had some information about this. If you want it, no big deal, you know? And that's how you give them the thing. It's not like, Hey man, you make sure you go to a counselor. No. Right. Give them the stuff, but don't give them unsolicited advice. And then the general, if you're a woman in, in a grieving man's life, be patient. Men will tend to put off their grief, per se, longer than a woman does. So just be patient with the process. Don't say, why aren't you crying? Don't say this, don't say that. What I tell women, the perfect thing to say to a husband because you know he loves you. You know he does, right? The perfect thing to say to him is like, I know you're hurting, but I can't move forward in my grief process if I know you're hurting and you're not grieving, right? Mm-hmm. Not that I need to see you boohoo crying, but when I know that you're actively grieving and working through it, I can feel better. And the man that loves you, hears you say that, he's going to work on get emoting his grief. Guarantee it. When the woman in that man's life steps up and says that, I guarantee it. Because that's completely different from saying, I never see you cry. Are you actually grieving? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Right. It's just how you say it, right? Right. And then for grieving men, here's, a, here's, a way, here's ways <laughs> to help yourself. Okay. Grieving man, here's how you help yourself. Give yourself time, right? But here's what I say with that. And I give this example to kids even. If you were riding a bike and you fell down and broke your arm, would you wait until your arm felt better before you go to see the doctor? No, you'd go right then, right? So now you have a broken heart. 
and you're trying to wait until it feels better before you get help. Same scenario. Your heart is broken. You need to seek help. But give yourself time. There's always that sense of isolation. Woe is me. I don't want to be part of this world anymore. Let me go in my closet. There's always a period of that, right? So give yourself time, but don't stay there. Right. Right. Grief will naturally take you to healing. It's, it's part of the life's process. If you're open to it. Yes. If you lean into the grief, it will naturally take you toward healing. Naturally. It's what we do that holds us in a spot. Right? Mm -hmm. Experience grief in your own way as long as it's healthy. Right? If you get through grieving by watching action flicks, okay. You getting through your grief by building bookshelves. If it's getting you through grieving, not avoiding your grief, but if building bookshelves or building birdhouses or whatever else gets you through grief, cool, right? right? But experience your grief in your way, not the perceived female way, whatever else, your way, as long as it's healthy. Watch out for reckless behavior. You know, if you've never ran with the bulls before, don't start. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you've never taken up sword fighting, <laughs> don't start. You know, watch the reckless behavior and the self-medication. And like I said before about falling off the bike and breaking your arm and you have a broken heart, know when to seek help. Listen to your body. Your body knows. Go see the doctor for the other stuff, but know when to seek help for your grief. Go find some men's groups. Go find a counselor. Um, go find other men with that similar experience and get shoulder to shoulder with them. It don't have to be a, a mushy Let's have a crying circle. It doesn't have to be that. Mm -hmm. It can be a men's group of men that are grieving. And you right. get shoulder to shoulder with those guys and seek help. Be honest with yourself and others about your, your grieving. Be honest. I don't feel like it today. I don't feel like playing golf. I want to stay in bed all day. Be honest. And that kind of leads me to my, my grief golden rule, right, as, as the closing. I call it the 100-0 rule. And I, I thought about this when people would approach me and they would talk about people in their lives deserting them while they're grieving. Oh, my mm -hmm. friends don't call me no more. I can't cry in front of people. I get embarrassed, whatever, you know, whatever, whatever. And I called the 100-0 rule. You are 100% in control of making people aware of your grief. You control that 100%. You are 0% in control of how they respond to your grief. So you have to release yourself of the burden of how other people feel about your grief. And that's kind of my grief golden rule, the 100-0 rule. And it works for women, it works for kids, it works for everybody. You have to make people aware that you're grieving, but then let their response be their response. Don't let the burden of how they feel about your grief affect your grief and how you grieve. Right. As long as it's healthy. Right. And so that, that's kind of that. And I always end with that kind of what I call the grief golden rule with that one. That that um, is easier said than done. Uh, that's why mm -hmm. I actually wrote my book, because my husband and I were deserted by some of our closest friends. Um, 
and I feel that it is important that you show up in some in some manner. You right. don't desert someone when they're down, especially when you when you know they're grieving. I think a lot of it is fear based. And so the reason that I wrote my book is so that it literally, if you are afraid to approach someone, you don't know what to do or say, um, this is a book that gives you things that are helpful that you can do or say that you can just do to support them, even though it might be scary for you. So that I I do agree with you in that. Um, When they choose not to, even knowing what you need, that is, that's very hurtful, but you have to find a way to move through it. That was my way. uh, one, One of the things that I tell grieving people in a general sense about, and it's hard when you're grieving to feel like you have a responsibility to other people. But here's something that I've found when I speak to grief groups. And no matter what the group is, if you bring up the topic of being deserted by people, everybody has that, everybody Mm -hmm. raises their hands, right? Right. And I don't know why, but God dropped this in my spirit when I was talking to this huge group of people. And I said, if you have friends that truly loved you, right? These were, these were like beyond shopping buddies. These were people that truly loved you, right? And you had a grief event in your life. I think of some of those, some of those instances, not 100%, but some of those instances, that person really loved you. They're grieving the person you used to be. And they don't even know how to respond to this new you. And I urge people that are grieving. I said, okay, you know what? Take that Rolodex, take your phone, whatever else, look at that contact list. And you know who those true blue friends are. You know who they are. And if you haven't heard from them in a while, I, I challenge you to call them and say, you know what? Like in our situation, since my granddaughter died, my life has drastically changed. And I'm not the guy I used to be. Right but I miss you. And I'm only thinking that maybe you're grieving that old guy too. And I just want to reach out to you and just talk to you. I mean, cause it's been a while since we talked. And a lot of times those people haven't deserted you. They're waiting in the wings and they're grieving that person you used to be. And they're grieving, you know, they, mm-hmm. that loss of relationship, that loss of, personality you used to have, whatever that is, mm-hmm. they could be grieving the old you. And in, true, they don't know what it's like to lose a granddaughter. They don't know. But they've lost a dear friend they used to call brother or sister. I'm not that guy that they can just call and say, hey, let's go play golf. Because I don't really care about it right now. You know what I mean? Right, right. And they can be grieving that. Mm-hmm. And, and as hard as a griever, it is very hard to call someone that hasn't reached out to you and say, I miss you. And I'm thinking you're probably grieving the old me. And I want to see how you're doing. That's a hard call to make. But I think in some instances, it's very much worth that call. Mm-hmm. That's very interesting perspective that, that can help a lot of people. I think it is also a responsibility as grievers to say their name, bring up their name, to take that, that doubt of, should I or shouldn't I? Am I going right. to upset them if they say this? I think that that's one thing that people don't understand until they've gone through it is that as people who have lost granddaughters or sons or loved ones, um, that might be the only time we get to say their name. 
the Indeed. only time we get to hear their name again. So Indeed. the fact that you remember is opening up our hearts um, bigger than you would ever, ever know. And right. if the tears come, they were going to come anyway. They were going to, yep. Yeah. So why not come as a, a beautiful memory uh, instead of uh, thinking that it's a painful reminder? Right. You know, each person has a life. Right. And people get uncomfortable with our tears. I, I remember mm -hmm. I was at a church about two months after Alana passed away and a pastor approached me and it's like, it gives, this gives me strength. And they opened up their Bible and it was the, the, uh, the program for my granddaughter's funeral. And I started crying and they closed their Bible. They said, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm like, no, I said, whenever you want to talk about Alana, I want to talk about Alana, but I need you to be okay with me crying because <laughs> I'm going to cry. I said, but I need you to be okay with me crying. I said, please, whenever you even feel like that's what you were just saying, whenever you feel like talking about her or saying her name, please do. Even if it, if it brings tears, but I just need you to be okay when I cry. I but think that that's, that's a beautiful advice because right. the thing I, what I always try to tell people is remember, this isn't about you right. this is, and how you feel. Right. If you're uncomfortable, you're, you're going to have to learn to be comfortable with doing things that are uncomfortable. Yes. I think that runs both ways, right? Oh, yeah. right. To have that. And, and for a man, like you said, to have a healthy grasp on his grief journey, to have those tears actually come forward. Right. Right. It's quite meaningful. Yeah. yeah. So that's, that's wonderful. I want to backtrack just a little bit uh -huh. um, on a couple of things that you said. You said men like to have a to-do list. And unfortunately for grief, it's not like there's this checklist of things off the box that you can check off and you'll be better and make it better. Right. So I want to make that clear that, you know, guys, I, if only there was, I think women would like that too. Right. Um, yeah, a lot of men ask me, the first, the first time we were in a meeting, a lot of men just say, just tell me what to do. And I tell them, I said, I can't. I said, I'm still learning. And we're, we, all, we all are familiar with the grief journey, right? Mm -hmm. But there's a bunch of parallel roads going in the same direction. Yes, we're both grieving, but I have my own path. Right. I'll tell you some things that have helped me, but they might not give you any traction, right? I said, I wish I did have a, oh yeah, by month three, you'll be able to look at pictures of your loved one. And by month five, you can be in year 12 and some little girl walks across with a pink dress on and I'll see my four-year-old granddaughter in that dress. Right. There's no timeline. And I, I think that's the thing that we really have to grasp, especially men. There's no, in five years, you're going to be okay. There's no, in three months, you're going to be able to go back to golf. There's no, in two years, you're going to be able to see people that look like, or that were your, your loved one's friends and be okay. There's none of that because every year there's a kindergarten graduation. Every year there's prom, well, maybe not this year, mm -hmm. but every year there's a prom. Every year there's a high school graduation. Every year there's birthdays. Every year there's Christmas. So when you try to put these kind of false things out in front of you, you're setting yourself up for failure. Oh, by birthday 10, you'll be okay. No, 
I mean, it's like you just have to prepare and be okay with not being okay. You're learning how to carry this burden. You're not trying to release yourself of it. You're just, you're just figuring out how to go through life and carry it, right? And carry it right. in a healthy The other thing that I wanted to, to backtrack on is to talk about anger. Because I think that um, for men, that is anger socially acceptable, right? Oh, yeah. Tears are not. Right. And yeah, I, I, did a, I did a video about... Um, it's easier to feel anger than it is to feel sadness. Exactly. And even if you are sad, emoting anger is accepted. Mm -hmm. And here's what's so crazy. Uh, I, I give this short story about my now five-year-old grandson. He was four at the time, right? Mm -hmm. So he leaves a mess in the kitchen. I come downstairs. I'm like, okay, clean up your mess. No, he had a ball in his hand. He comes downstairs with a ball. You're not allowed to have balls in the house. <laughs> That's okay. Clean up your mess in the kitchen and give me that ball. You're not allowed to have balls in the house. He screams at me, no, my ball. I'm like, no, you're going to give me that ball. And so I take it from him and he's yelling at me. No, my ball. I want my ball back. I'm like, well, time out. Time out for five minutes. I think everything is fine. I pull him out of time out. Okay, clean your mess. I want my ball. You're not getting them. So we go in that circle again. Mm -hmm. Put him back in time out. So this time I go in a different room and I just hear him whining. Mm -hmm. I mean, loud whining. Like, I need you to notice me whining. whining right? <laughs> yeah. I come out of my room. He's in the kitchen and he's sitting in a little higher chair. I pull him out of the chair and I get eye level with him. And I said, what's wrong? And he just starts weeping uncontrollably. And he says, I want my sister. And so I tell him, I said, when you're feeling bad, wouldn't you rather have Paul Paul give you a hug than go to timeout? He said, yes, Paul Paul, I'd rather have a hug. But he didn't know how to tell me he was sad. He's four. And how to show me he was sad is to be angry. Mm. A four-year-old, right? I teach this stuff. I, I tell people that you have to emote healthy grief in front of your family. And my four-year-old grandson is showing me his grief through anger. Mm -hmm. Now think about that. I'm, I'm showing men and telling men you have to emote help. And I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, Okay, he's learning the vocabulary of grief and the action of grief this way. Because a four-year-old has no control over anything, right? Right. He's now living with us out of his control. He's now has to do whatever we say out of his control. And his sister's gone out of his control. And so the way that he emoted that was anger. Not sadness, anger. And if I never would have asked him what's really going on with him, who knows when he would have ever said, I'm sad, I miss my sister, right? So I gave him a hug and I'm like, whenever you're feeling like this, just tell Papa you're not feeling good and just say, I need a hug. Cause don't you, he said, I like hugs, right? right? But that's, so he's a little miniature man, right. right? And so juxtaposition that with a counselor that I went to when I, early in our grief, my wife and I went to this counselor, a male counselor, and he said his brother died when he was two years old. Very similar situation to my grandsons. One of them was two. One of them was six. Granddaughter was four when she died. Mm -hmm. My counselor said, 
my parents acted like he never existed. Yeah. And even at the age of two, I knew somebody was missing. He said, I didn't properly grieve until I was in my thirties. Wow. And so that stuck with me that even at the age of two, he knew his brother was gone. Mm-hmm. And we made sure we acknowledged Alana's presence around her two-year-old brother. Because right. he knew she was gone, right. right? And so we're trying to show him how to grieve in a healthy way. And here we are two or three years down the line and he's angry, right? And so we have to really look at that for what it is. Because if a kid goes outside and kicks another kid or they tussle on the ground, Oh yeah, that's, that's boys. Yeah. Boys will be boys. But when a boy cries, when a boy whines or what we tell them, that's not, that's not boy behavior. Yes, it is. That's, that's emoting a full range of emotions. And we have to do that for the little guys and for the big guys. We have to show the full range of emotion and it's very important, but we, we naturally emote. Everything is anger. And I tell people this, not to be funny about it, but it was kind of a ha-ha thing uh, in hindsight, not, obviously not mm-hmm. the day of. But when I heard about, I got a phone call about my granddaughter as she passed. My first reaction is I hit the door sill of my door at my office. And I think I fractured a bone in my, I never went to the doctor for it, but I, mm-hmm. I, I think I fractured a, a bone in my hand. I hit the door sill. So, because it was like, that's not, you know, it's like that, that can't right. be. First emotion, anger, right. right? I get to the funeral and it was three other men at the funeral with their hands in bandages. One of them had a cast. That's telling. That was all their first emotion to hearing of my granddaughter passing. Wow. And I look back on that now and I kind of giggle about it, but it's like, that's a man's first reaction. Pain. Yeah. Deep grief, sorrow emoted itself as anger. Right. Then I had to get in the car in my parking garage at my job and drive home to see, see about my wife and then go see about my daughter and, and the mm-hmm. other kids. And I almost ripped the steering wheel out of the steering column driving home. Because I'm just, this can't be. Right. I'm emoting anger in my right. intense grief. And that's natural. But we didn't have, we have to turn that corner. We got to get beyond right. anger being the only way we emote our grief. Right. right? And so it's, it's hard, but, we, I mean, but it has to be done. Hard, not impossible. Just like right. I tell my grandsons. Yes, that's hard, but not impossible. It can be done. Well, that's a great place to, to end this, Bradley. Thank you very much for your wisdom and your expertise. If people would like to get more information on some of the things that you're doing in the arena of grief, how can they get in touch with you? Yeah, uh, the best way is just on my website, BradleyVinson.com. I'm on Facebook just as Bradley Vinson. I don't have a fan page or nothing like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm on Instagram, Bradley Vinson. So I kind of put inspirational things there where I can. I do little Facebook live videos periodically that I call good grief, where we talk about grief topics, just Mm -hmm. out in the open and just get it out, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So those are, those are probably the best ways to get in contact with me. Just website on the kind of social media stuff. Everything is my name. Um, So it's easier that way. Well, it sounds wonderful. Thank you very much for spending time with us. Thank you for having me. All right.
Have a good day. I'm Sherry Dunleavy, and you've been listening to the Grief Anonymous podcast. For more information on today's guest, the Grief Anonymous program, or the Grief Resource Network, go to griefanonymous.com or griefresourcenetwork.com. For more information on my book, workshops, or talks, go to sherrydunleavy.com. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thanks for listening.